Medigen was offered to adults over 20 years old for the second day on Tuesday. A Taipei hospital said that there were fewer people with appointments, but the turnout rate was higher than expected. So far, at least 40 percent of Taiwan's population has received one dose of a COVID vaccine. On day two of Medigen's national rollout, people were seen at the National Taiwan Science Education Center early in the morning. Compared to the previous day, the crowd was much smaller, making the process faster than before. From arrival to injection, getting the vaccine took less than 10 minutes. Most of the recipients were young adults. Some said they chose Medigen because it had fewer side effects. The flow management was very good. The line moved very fast. There aren't as many people as I thought there would be. I thought there would be lots of people, but it's been all right. I had a pulmonary embolism before. My colleagues and doctors advised me to get Medigen. They said it's less likely to cause an embolism. The president got this one, so nothing bad should happen. So yesterday, we had a no-show rate of about 5%. That's about the same as it was for AstraZeneca. Today, we had about half as many appointments as yesterday, so all the crowds that came were dealt with in a blink. It was all smooth sailing. The main reason was that there were fewer people who had appointments for today. On Monday, 179,215 COVID vaccine doses were administered in Taiwan. Among them, 7,219 doses were AstraZeneca and 4,728 were Moderna. More than 90 percent, or 167,268 doses, were Medigen. So far in Taiwan's vaccination campaign, more than 10.2 million doses have been administered. Single-dose coverage is now past 40 percent. Some 160,000 doses were administered, and about 90 percent of recipients showed up. And those aren't even the final figures. There are some vaccination sites that have yet to upload their stats for the day. So the vaccination rates are looking good. Also on Tuesday, the latest round of Medigen bookings closed in the evening. As of 1 p.m., roughly 70 percent of about 209,000 eligible people on the waitlist had booked a shot. Officials called on more people to pick Medigen and get protected against COVID-19. The CCC partially lifted its ban on hospital visitation on Tuesday, as it announced just one new local COVID case. Visits are now allowed for patients in ICUs, hospice wards, respiratory care wards, psychiatric wards, and pediatric wards. They're also allowed for terminally ill patients, as well as people with disabilities. Patients can have up to two visitors at a time during a designated period of the day. Visitors will need to provide proof of a negative rapid or PCR test taken within three days of their visit. Let's hear from the health minister. Basically, starting today, August 24th, visitor restrictions are lifted on designated wards. These are intensive care units, hospice wards, respiratory care wards, psychiatric wards, and children's wards. Visits will also open up for people with disabilities and for terminally ill patients. Visiting times will be the same. There will be a designated time. There can be up to two visitors at a time for hospitalized patients, and they'll need to provide proof of a negative antigen or PCR test taken in the previous three days. That includes home testing kits. 
they need to show proof of a negative test. People who have been fully vaccinated with two doses at least 14 days before the visit don't need to show proof of a test. The requirement is also waived for people who were diagnosed with COVID but met the conditions for release from isolation after testing negative if they experienced the onset of symptoms less than three months ago. But the CCC is tightening rules at the border to keep out the Delta COVID strain. Starting August 27th, international arrivals will no longer be allowed to drive their own vehicles from the airport to quarantine facilities. They will all have to take government-designated de transport to lower the risk of viral transmission. Dining out without dividers is now an option in some parts of Taiwan. In nine cities and counties, including Taoyuan and Shinzu, restaurants can let people share a table without dividers if the entire party is from the same household. But for now, the policy will not apply to businesses in Greater Taipei. We're at Taipei's popular Fuhang Soy Milk Breakfast Shop. Outside, people stand in a long line that snakes up to the second floor. They're saying it could take 20 minutes to get your turn. Although the CECC has loosened restrictions on dining in, Taipei and New Taipei have not. Patrons must continue to be seated apart with plastic dividers in place. This diner says the rules detract from the experience. When we eat at home, there are no dividers. When we go out, there are dividers and we're spaced apart. It just doesn't feel right. Though I can't see my family, at least we can pass the dishes around. For example, me and my wife, we're sitting like this, it's fine. My view is that we should just follow the guidance of the local government. We've already gotten through two to three months of this. Another few weeks won't hurt. But over at this restaurant in Taoyuan, all diners are asked if they live together. If they do, the dividers are removed from the table. The restaurant says that offering divider-free dining is good for business. It could help business grow by 20%, 30% or even more. In areas with a lot of families, the boost could be greater than 40%. Households can now dine without dividers in Taoyuan, Shenzhou County, Shenzhou City, Miaoli, Jiayi County, Jiayi City, Tainan, Pingdong and Jinmen. It's not an option elsewhere, including in Taipei and New Taipei. In this mixed policy landscape, restaurants are taking halting steps toward financial recovery. The CCC lifted its national ban on swimming, snorkeling and other ocean activities on Tuesday. In Pingdong County, Xiaoliuqiu and the seaside town of Kanding attracted flocks of tourists. Over in Kaohsiung, the sandy beaches of Shizuan reopened for swimming. The sun's not up yet, but they're here already, brimming with energy. Decked out in swimsuits with kickboards in hand, they can't wait to hit the water. After the ban, all my exercise stopped. Yeah, they notified us. They sent us a notice to tell us we could come over. First, a temperature check and real name registration. Then they're clear to take a dip for the first time in three months. With the epidemic easing, Kaohsiung loosened its COVID restrictions, reopening Shizuan to swimmers starting Tuesday. On the day of the reopening, the beach was buzzing with activity. I heard it was reopening a couple days ago. We're all thrilled. We were so excited we couldn't sleep. It can't be helped, what, with the pandemic. We all have to wear masks. Oops, sorry, I'm not wearing my mask. It's great to be here. 
The mask went right back on after her dip in the sea. Over in neighboring Pingdong, Xiaoliuqiu also reopened for water activities on Tuesday. We've gotten lots of inquiries from tourists, but snorkeling instructors can only take five people at a time. Right now, we're taking tours by appointment only. Snorkelers waded into the crystal clear water surrounding Vase Rock. The skies were picture perfect on the first day of the reopening. The lucky snorkelers said they got to see sea turtles. Although the bans are lifted, COVID precautions remain in place. Administrators of the scenic area have limited diving tours to four people, not including the instructor. Only half the public restrooms will be open. Tourists on jet skis, stand-up paddleboards and canoes must maintain a safe distance. But even with all the rules, tourists are flocking to the shores for their first and last hurrah of the summer of 2021. Taiwan's economics minister had her first meeting with the new AIT director, Sandra Outkirk, on Monday. According to economics minister Wang Meihua, the two sides pledged to continue cooperation in the semiconductor sector. Taiwan's chip-making sector is an important partner to the world, so we will do everything in our power to maintain the supply. With regard to our partnership with the U.S., we are working with them under the auspice of TIFA as well as the EPP. All of this will lay a very good foundation for further talks on a BTA. Earlier this year, American officials asked Taiwan to help ease an automobile chip shortage. In response, the economics ministry directed chip companies to reallocate capacity and ramp up car chip production. Wang says that in the first half of the year, Taiwan raised its automobile microcontrol units by 30 percent. According to Wang, global supply and demand for auto chips should reach a balance by the end of the fourth quarter. Taiwan's defense ministry has drawn up its budget proposal for next year. The proposal is still being reviewed by the executive yuan, but the details are already emerging. According to a source familiar with the matter, the ministry wants a 200 billion NT dollars special budget to build more offensive missiles. According to media reports, Taiwan's defense ministry plans to request 200 billion NT to develop missiles with an offensive capability. The news has drawn derision from Hu Xijin, editor-in-chief of the CCP-backed tabloid Global Times. Using this plan to deter the mainland is simply delusional. Taiwan is about as large as the palm of my hand. It has no strategic depth. The offensive missiles would only be deployed from a few bases, and the closer together they are, the better it is for the PLA. That way, when war breaks, the first round of saturation attacks can destroy them all. Their war preparations do not pose a significant threat to the mainland, so let the Taiwan authorities burn their money. During an inspection tour of the Air Force, Air Defense and Artillery Command Monday afternoon, President Tsai Ing-wen underscored her confidence in Taiwan's self-defense capabilities. We may not be able to control where our enemies point their missiles at, but we absolutely have the ability to stop missiles from the enemy before they reach our beloved homeland. Our strategic needs have shifted toward a need for offensive strikes at the source. Before, we had the option of engagement on land. But now there are so many high-tech semiconductor plants all over Taiwan that a battle on land would be devastating. So we have to prevent the war from reaching Taiwan. China 
China's strategy is to make its first battle with Taiwan its last and to overwhelm us with speed so that we can't issue an early warning. In light of that, being able to strike at the source, to destroy the source of the attack, is extremely important. The best defense is offense. Amid an evolving cross-strait situation, the former Air Force official said that offensive capabilities were key to keeping Taiwan safe. Taiwan's first privately built rocket, called Hapith-1, has received a launch permit from the Australian government. The two-stage suborbital rocket was developed by a private company called Taiwan Innovative Space. Its first test launch will take place on Air Peninsula in South Australia in the year ahead. The launch date has not been finalized. The name Hapith means flying squirrel in the language of the Sasiat indigenous people. The rocket measures 10 meters in height, 1.5 meters in width, and weighs three tons. If its test launch is a success, it could set an altitude record for any rocket developed in Taiwan. Developers had tried to launch the rocket last year in Taidong County. However, they called off their test due to a controversy over land rights. A tourist recently came across an Asian black bear on a road in Yusan National Park, a rare sighting of the reclusive species. Park rangers say the bears have been roaming a wider area since the pandemic slashed visitor numbers. Conservation efforts are also bearing fruit. Coming across a bear is more likely than it used to be. A driver was ascending Yushan when they came across this mystery creature. At first, they thought it could be a stray black dog. But on closer inspection, it was clearly an Asian black bear. Black bears are very agile. They're a very shy species, in fact. They normally don't come into areas so frequently inhabited by people. Tourists have been few and far between during the pandemic, so the range of their activity and frequency of activity has expanded out to this area. It was a shock, but also an honor for this tourist to spot the bear. Yushan is home to Taiwan's biggest population of black bears. Black bear tracks are often found. There's even this adorable footage of a mother playing with her cubs. We caught three on camera. This little bear was very curious to see what food was inside the trap. Regular sightings of the bears mean conservation efforts are working. But it also means accidental encounters like this one will get more frequent. How should tourists stay safe? Don't turn your back to them. Look at them, but not straight in their eyes. Back away quietly until you get a certain distance away, and then leave as fast as you can. Going hiking with a partner is best, and take a bell to ring. Both can ward bears off. Don't leave any food lying around open. Take it up the mountain sealed tight to avoid attracting bears to the smell of your snacks. During the Level 3 alert, divers were forbidden in Keelong's top diving area. That had the unexpected result of allowing marine ecology to flourish, with fish numbers growing and recovery for bleached coral. Now divers are allowed back in Chaojing Marine Protected Area. But experts say they want to make diving less damaging to ocean life. A shoal of fish weaves through the water. A diver lifts the camera to record the magnificent scene. It's not just the coral growing amazingly here. There are a lot of ocean creatures down here, especially the lobsters. And I saw some grouper fish and some sea turtles. During the Level 3 alert, tourists were forbidden from diving here in Jilong's Chaojing Marine Protected Area. That has done marine ecology a world of good. 
All the coral that was bleached last year has recovered. We had 60,000 or 70,000 people come last year, so the coral in the water was damaged. It was obvious the divers have damaged many areas, but when you go down now, all those damaged areas have recovered. Researchers at the National Museum of Marine Science and Technology compared the quiet waters this summer with the busy diving season of 2020. Large numbers of divers may make it hard for sea creatures to communicate, they say. This year, shoals of migratory fish are spending longer in the protected area and swimming more slowly. The entire ecosystem has recovered its health. Although diving is now permitted once more, divers are warned to follow the rules. To an average person, they know we come in the water to work, not to have fun. During the lockdown period, we did allow some normal divers, apart from our official diving work. They had to apply and get a diving permit by handing over their ID card. They had to wear an identification tag on their hand to go in the water. COVID is slowly receding, and flocks of tourists are streaming back into the wild. The National Museum of Marine Science and Technology is researching ways to allow divers to enjoy the ocean without damaging the very wonders they come to see. Researchers at NTNU say there's evidence that an antioxidant in green tea could help treat COVID-19. Their latest research found that high doses of catechins help COVID-infected rats recover from the disease. But to get a similar effect in humans, a supplement containing a high dose of the chemical would need to be trialed. With COVID-19 spreading all across the planet, everyone is keen to boost their immune system. A research team at NTNU found that the catechins found in green tea can inhibit COVID. With a dose of at least 195 milligrams, the virus disappeared. So this proves that catechins have a very evident inhibitory effect on the survival and replication of this kind of virus. As the head of the team, Professor Zhen Jianting has been researching catechins for 17 years. He explained that when catechins are concentrated, they stop the virus from replicating. They also help rats infected with COVID-19 to recover from lung damage and reduce the risk of symptoms like cytokine storms, improving the rat's immune response. To get that level of concentrated catechins, a 50-kilogram adult would need to ingest 2.5 grams of catechins in a day. That means 20 to 30 cups of green tea if each cup contains 180 milligrams. But too much tea can over-caffeinate a person and lead to stomach problems. One solution could be taking catechin extract in pill form. The team is working with a hospital to arrange a trial. At first, we wanted to do this trial for mild symptoms or less severe cases with Taipei City Hospital. I think catechins can be used to help. Past research indicates that catechins can suppress the flu virus. In 2007, they were used in the study on dialysis patients to counter inflammations and arterial sclerosis. It remains to be seen if they could be used to fight COVID-2. Time now for a special look into the Kanner Foundation of Taiwan. It's one of Taiwan's major societies supporting adults with autism, also known as Kanner's Syndrome. The foundation helps adults with autism learn work skills and make money, producing sweets and pastries. The pandemic has hit the foundation's work, but they're determined not to let it cramp their style. Let's find out how. Students are packing bags of coffee into mid-autumn festival gift boxes guided by a teacher. Other students are stoning dates and stuffing almonds inside, folding packing boxes or placing treats in bags. 
Most of them are able to learn the skills, but when they are emotional, they can't work. In Taiwan, Kanner's syndrome has become a more popular term for autism in recent years. The Chinese word used suggests validation and acceptance. People with autism can have various cognitive, linguistic and perceptual difficulties caused by neurological damage and may struggle with interpersonal tasks or communication. They're often not accepted by mainstream welfare organizations. This is Peng Yuyan, chair of the Kanner Foundation of Taiwan, and her 39-year-old son, who has autism. He wanted to take the yolk out of this egg yolk pastry. She encouraged him to pack it in a plastic bag in his rucksack. Back in 2004, she and three other parents agreed to take care of each other's children if any of them should pass away early. That promise led to the birth of the foundation, which helps adults with autism develop work skills and independence. When we get old, we can't just send them to an institution and go into an elderly care home ourselves. I'll be by his side in my old age. People say it's all back to front, but this is how our kids are. We have to stay with them. The foundation's mid-autumn gift boxes have been hit hard by COVID, with sales just 30% of last year. But the foundation is determined to continue the work for its own sake. Meanwhile, 40 parents are raising funds to build an estate in Taoyuan's Longtan district, where people with autism can live and work happily, even when their parents are no longer by their side.